what I want to get, what y'all want you to come for me for my the website and obviously the print product on Friday, but the website and the Twitter, my Twitter feed and the voices Twitter feed and Instagram in particular is, hey, I bet you I can find out something cool about Black Atlanta if I read this. Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On this episode, we salute and talk to Donnell Suggs. Donnell is the editor-in-chief of the Atlanta Voice, the longest-running and only Black newspaper in Atlanta. He's covered business, features, real estate, religion, and sports, among other things, during his time in journalism. He's a native of Brooklyn, New York. Hey, Donnell. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I love the podcast. So this, this is actually something new, and we should articulate this. You are a longtime listener. Just tell us about how you became acquainted with it. Well, you guys did an episode on Robin Kemp, who is a, a, a friend of mine, a colleague at one point in Clayton News Daily, and someone I admire a lot. So when she said, hey, I'm doing a podcast, of course I was going to listen. And then I'm like, wait, it's a journalism podcast. He's done a lot more episodes, so I listen all the time now. Because <laughs> we need that. We need. I don't think people understand that what we do is not a thing that we just kind of picked up randomly. Most of us are, were little kids like me that read the newspaper all the time and watched TV news and, and stuff. So I love hearing those stories. So let's get right to it then. What's your journalism origin story? All right, let's start back to college. I mean, we want to go back even further. Sure. I was six or seven years old when my dad introduced me to the New York Daily News and the New York Post and the box scores. And I couldn't believe that all that information was in a 25-cent newspaper. I can find out who's scoring what, what's their batting average. I, there's stories about them. There's feature stories. I learned to read, reading the Daily News and the New York Post, the back pages, we call them, the sports section. And I just fell in love with newspapers from then. I, I know people say this all the time, but I really knew I was going to be a newspaper reporter when I became an adult. It wasn't a question of, ah, maybe. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a sports writer. And I wanted to be a shortstop for the Mets. The Mets thing didn't work out, but uh, they probably could have used me. But uh, either way, I knew I wanted to be a newspaper man. There was no question about it. And why do you love no print so much? It. I still believe in it, man. I, I mean, obviously, when I came up, you didn't have an internet at home, let alone on your phone. I'm 44 years old. So you couldn't go to your house and look up anything. You had to go to the, go get the paper or watch the news at 11 o'clock at night. And there was nothing like four channels. I'm in New York, the greatest city in the world, the biggest city in the world, and we had four channels. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I fell in love with newspapers because I thought it was the best way. It was the only way, really. So to this day, I still believe in it. And I still continue to work for publications that print. Now, they might not print as much as they used to. With, with the Atlanta Voice, we only print on Fridays. But it still matters when I get it. And I see those bylines that I help hire or my byline or bylines of people who I admire. And I go, yeah, this is still a thing. And it's still an important thing. That's Reading true. will never go away. That's really cool. But your career path is such that it had a detour before you necessarily got to being full-time in journalism, right? Tell us about your career path. Well, you, you get started after college, writing for my college newspaper. You get started picking up freelance jobs here and there. Now, I joined the New York City Police Department in 2004 as a very young man then and did that for a couple of years while I freelanced here and there. And then I moved to Atlanta. So there was an opportunity to work for the black newspapers that would give you a shot. 
I, I, I was going to move here anyway. I was young. I wanted to find a new something new. And this city was bubbling. Like, it's still bubbling now. But at the time, everyone wasn't here yet. It still, it still was like, where are you going? Why exactly? I, I knew people who, did, who didn't know where it was. They knew it was a city, but they couldn't have, you could have told them it was in Kentucky, they would have believed you at 06. Because outside of the Olympics, it wasn't like it was a national name. You know, people didn't, people didn't go to Atlanta heavy like that until right around that time. So I moved here because I knew I had an opportunity to work with some black newspapers. And I started with the Atlanta Daily World, which at one point was the first black newspaper in Atlanta. Then Atlanta Voice hired me on as a freelancer. I covered news and sports for them. Ironically, 16 years later, I'm the editor-in-chief. They gave me one of my first shots at covering sports and writing features. Is the paper that I work for now as the editor-in-chief. So it's a pretty cool story. In between, a bunch of papers, big and small, and most recently, the Atlanta Business Chronicle. I covered commercial real estate, and then later, sports business. So I've had a pretty cool career. So all right, but before we, we go further, why why did you pursue police officer? Well, after nine eleven, I I just everyone was kind of extra patriotic and they were they were heavy hiring in the city and in New York City and I just I gave it a shot. I mean I was still you get out of college and you're kinda trying to figure out your way. I had an internship at Vibe magazine back then when Vibe was printing heavy and and Vibe had like a, a hundred and ten page magazine with ads everywhere and Money was all over the place. And I, and it just didn't work out yet that I could really find a full-time job. So I joined the department. And for three years, I had a lot of fun and learned a lot about being a professional, a professional person, period. One thing that I learned a lot was I wasn't scared to talk to anybody. I could ask anyone anything because that was a part of the job. You had to come on the scene and talk to someone. And that I carry over to this day. I can walk up to anybody, you know, regardless of status, creed, color, religion, and just talk to them. And that's big for a reporter, especially in the locker room with NBA or on the street after a crime. You got to be able to look someone in the eye and say, I understand. Can you, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And that, that statement of the police department really taught me that, hey, man, I don't care who they are. You got you to gotta find out what happened. How is, how is being a police, how is having been a police officer impact your reporting in terms of with everything that we've seen with police and George Floyd and the different things that have happened over the last few years? What I think it helped was it kind of gives you a balance. You get the fact that everybody in the uniform is not bad and everyone out there that gets locked up isn't bad either. And I don't know if I would have had that balance and I know most people don't because what they see on TV is oh no cops are bad or oh no George Floyd is bad. It's like no there's a balance there. There's a really there's a, there's a gray area where every situation is different and you can't approach them all like it's the worst thing in the world or that that person is. You just have to, I, had a, I have a balance. When I covered some of that stuff, I didn't come at them as, I was in uniform once, and I didn't come at them as, I'm a black guy and I don't like cops. I come at them as, let's find the facts out about what happened and let's make sure we bring whomever to justice. So that's how I approach anything else that I write about, be it business or an acquisition or sports. I want to know the facts. I don't want to try to pick. I'm not a fan. I don't cover the Hawks and say, we won. Yay, we did it. I, I cover sports and say, this is what happened. When I do write about sports, which is less and less now. I write about what happened. I write about religion the same way. I write about business the same way. Real estate. What happened? Let me inform someone about what this is. And that's it. 
Before we get to your current job, what were some of the highlights of the jobs that you had leading up to this one? Well, I, I was one of the first reporters for ESPN's The Undefeated. Now it's got another name now. It's called something else. But when ESPN, about five, six years ago, they decided to make a black vehicle, a black-focused vehicle called The Undefeated. And I was the Atlanta correspondent in the way. Like one of my first stories about Morris Brown College was the only thing they had on there that was Atlanta-related. So I did like back-to-back -back stories on that and a couple other stories. So I was the Atlanta guy for ESPN's Undefeated when it first came out. That was a lot of fun because we didn't know what that thing was going to be. And covering commercial real estate for the Atlanta Business Chronicle more recently, you get a chance to find out. You see a building go up. You know, we're, we're from New York. You see a tall building going up and the construction taking place. You go, eh, another tall building. <laughs> but what my job was, was to find out how that's financed. Who's building it? Whose land is it on? How much do they pay for the land? Who's leasing the building? What floors? And it just opens your mind. Now I can't walk by a construction site without trying to answer at least half those questions. And I'm not even covering it anymore. But it's like, it was such an education. It was like grad school. I went to journalism, grad, business journalism grad school when I worked there for 15 months. It was like, you really got a chance to learn how that stuff comes together. And it's really cool when you think about it. And we should mention that you went to New York City Tech for college, right? I did. Uh, CUNY school. Yep. Best thing that ever happened to me. It gave me an opportunity to write on the school newspaper. That probably doesn't happen at some major university where there's a lot of competition for slots and and it's like, oh, well, you got to wait till next year or, or this year or that year. I was right as a sophomore. I was writing, I was covering the Knicks. Not covering them every day because we didn't need to do it. The paper was weekly. But like I wrote a story about, on one day I went to a New York City Tech basketball game at 1 o'clock, a St. John's game at 4 o'clock, did a Knicks game at 7 o'clock. It's still one of my favorite stories. I was tracing the city one weekend, covering different levels of basketball and writing about how New York has so much to offer in basketball. Let me show you. A Division three game, a Division one game, obviously, in, in the Garden, and the next night, the Knicks. Like, how cool was that? What a story I did. You can do that right now. I did that in 2001. <laughs> I won't get that opportunity if I go to Cal Berkeley. I don't get that. I don't, a Duke. Right. I probably don't get an opportunity to do that. Right, the, well, benef into, the benefits of but the benefits of a small school, uh, something I'm familiar right. with. Um, yes. So the Atlanta Voice was founded in 1966. It's as I understand it, a family-owned newspaper. Yes. Can you explain the history so, of it? Absolutely. Janice Ware is the publisher. Her father, Jay Lowell Ware, decided he was working at the Atlanta Daily World, and the Atlanta Daily World took a stance on civil rights that said. We don't really want to try to shake the tree too much. We had a good relationship with businesses. We don't want to say we don't want to talk about the civil rights movement and how things are going. We'll just kind of let that sleeping dog lie. And he didn't like that. He actually founded the paper with a man named Ed Clayton. And they decided, hey, you know what? Let's get out of here. Let's go find our own paper so we can have our own quote unquote voice. So they started the Atlanta Voice in '66. And to this day, and obviously I'm a little biased because again, it was one of the papers that gave me my start in the city 16 years ago. And it's the paper where I work now. It really made a media impact because it, it, it covered the city from a black angle that wasn't even subservient in a way, or just like the AJC would do it. Well, at the time, it was Atlanta Journal and Atlanta Constitution. Those two papers merged in 2000, I believe. But anyway, at the time, it was a day paper and a night paper. And uh, they covered black people like, yeah, we might, we might not. And Atlanta Voice covered black people like they were important. Long before Atlanta was what it was, which is quote-unquote the Black Mecca, the Atlanta, the Atlanta Voice was trying to make it that and cover and show and cover Black people in the Black communities with respect. 
And no one was doing that. No one was doing that. So he got a lot of flack for starting this paper. But lo and behold, here we are. We're still here. Why is it such an important publication in 2022? I think it's even more important than it was in 66 because of what Atlanta is, what Atlanta has become, and what Atlanta will continue to be, which is a symbol of Black success in America. Despite all the problems we have in this country, a lot of that stuff either doesn't happen in Atlanta or tends to happen differently. Atlanta's a very important city economically, traditionally, it's the it's birthplace of civil rights, and to have a Black paper here is very important. There's no way, that, there, there shouldn't be a Black paper in Memphis and, and Chicago and uh, Cleveland and not one in Atlanta, New York, et cetera. You gotta be, they got, there has to be one in Atlanta. And for it to still stay, still be here and be strong and stronger, I think that's awesome. So what makes a voice story distinct? And let's ask the question of how is your coverage of a community event? I read one about a breast cancer walk, or you have spoken several times here about covering sports, covering Hawks Media Day. How is your coverage different in all these different areas covering the city than the other places? Let me use that breast cancer walk for an example. It happens every year. Not news that it happens every year. Breast cancer awareness month is October. Not news. Kills more women than any other disease. Everyone knows breast cancer, breast cancer awareness is very important. How we, the voice, and how I particularly covered that story was, not only did I go down there, I went on the walk. Not only did I go on the walk, I talked to individual people. Now, granted, the people I interviewed were Black people. That's, that's my audience. So, so now I'm taking that lens and I'm tightening it. I'm tightening it on one particular walk of people because cancer affects us all. But for my readership, I wanted to give those perspectives. So I talked to Black couples and Black people individually about how cancer affected their lives and how it does and how important awareness is. The doctor I interviewed was African-American, et cetera. I'm giving you that individual perspective from Black people involved in everything in Atlanta. Even, even, even media day, you can go on and on about Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, the Hawks are going to be there. I interviewed two rookies that probably won't play 20 games between them. But I interviewed them for a story about how they don't care what they do as long as they help. And that, not two rookies, because one guy was like a second-year, third-year player, but he barely played a lot. But the point was, I'm trying to give you a different perspective to things. They won't always, we're not going to chase the Atlanta Journal-Constitution around. They have a Hawks beat writer. All she does is cover the team. We're not going to chase around the Atlanta Business Chronicle and try to break news on what Fortune 500 company is like buying a new building for their headquarters. You can get that from them. What I want to get, what I want you to come for me for my the website and obviously the print product on Friday, but the website and the Twitter, my Twitter feed and the Voices Twitter feed and Instagram in particular is, hey, I bet you I can find out something cool about Black Atlanta if I read this. And that's what I want. Because there's websites, there's social media, or God knows there's TikToks. All that stuff is cool. And I want to be one of the sources for someone that's my age or my stepdaughter's age. She's 17. I want to I feed everyone Black and say, okay, this is an opportunity for me to learn. Or not Black. Learn something new about Atlanta. Black community. The Atlanta voice is there for you. It's the voice. Quote, unquote, the voice. And I want to, as the editor-in-chief, that's all I'm trying to do is serve the public in an individual way. I'm, I'm focused. I'll be honest with you. I'm individually focused. I went to a Brian Kemp rally in Alpharetta. Alpharetta, if anyone knows, might be, I don't know, seven, eight, nine percent black. I went to a Brian Kemp rally and still 
narrow the focus a little bit to some some quiet protesters and try to pick out some black people in that. It's just always going to be different. Like you don't, you're not going to get the same stuff from us. You should really should check it out. It's not going to be the same stuff. I, I I like that example in particular. A few episodes ago, we had a woman on from the Heckinger Report who told the story of she was Muslim and she wore a full burqa to a Trump rally that she was covering for her school. I'm curious what the experience is is like for for you in a situation like that where he's speaking in a almost entirely white community and what that experience is like for you as a black journalist trying to cover whatever you're going to cover within it. Why I why I decided to cover it and why I didn't send my 21 year old my brand new 21 year old general assignment reporter is because that can be that can be a little disconcerting for people like whoa I'm looking around I might see three or four black people and four out of 400 but for me at this stage of my career I thrive on that I, I actually almost want that. I almost want it to be a situation where I'll have some color for my story because I am one of five or six people that are of, of any co- of, of color period really there was a few i saw an indian young man i believe i saw a spanish young lady myself and a couple other black people maybe six or seven but i want that because the whole point is this we cannot shy away from that side of politics because they're not it may not be friendly to us and by the way everyone was pleasant it was super nice so it wasn't like anyone was giving me any flat but the point is whether they were or they not i've talked with trump rallies and they weren't they weren't, they weren't physically harming me, but they weren't happy to see us. They didn't like the media. I think they care more about me being a member of the press than they do about me being a black man, to be honest. So you're going to write some stuff down. How do different subjects that you plan to, to cover, you, you mentioned community events, you mentioned sports, what are the other kinds of subjects that, and you mentioned politics, what are the other kinds of subjects that you plan to cover or have covered by your, by your paper and by your, your new reporter and such? Yeah, well, uh, we, want, we want to cover criminal, well, well, crime. And when I say crime, I don't need to, I'm not going to ever, you're never going to see a story in the Atlanta Voice that says five men shot on corner. You don't need me for that. You saw that on Twitter. You saw that on the news last night. What I will tell you is there's been 25 homicides, actually 39, in Clayton County this year. And how many of them were involving people of color? Something like that is what you need to get from a reporter. So I, I plan to give more of that. So more crime, definitely more education. There's a lot of cool education stories that we can do that haven't really been touched on by local papers because it takes time, it takes money, and we have time now. And now we have someone at the helm, with all due respect to people before me, that really understands how to source stories. I've, I've been in the city a long time. I've got a bunch of sources, and I'm using them for my advantage. And I'm not sure if everyone that was uh, running the show prior to me was doing that with all due respect but i'm gonna do that like we just made two new hires one's janelle ward she's out of georgia's grading uh, journalism school very smart young but very smart she's great at community reporting so she'll be doing a lot more of that and then another one's isaiah singleton he's out of savannah state university he's really good with features and he's got a kind of like uh an eye for the lgbtq plus community as well which is big in atlanta so there's another way we can kind of get more of that in our paper. We haven't had a lot of that. You don't get a ton of that really in any paper until it's like Pride Week. And it's like, no, let's don't ignore these, let's don't ignore these enclaves that make up a collective city like Atlanta. 
So I want to do that. I want to. I want to want to shape coverage to where everyone wants to read the paper, online and and in print. I do. I try and have, as you probably heard, I try and have a couple of those people on every year. All right. Yes. So what is what does your role entail? Because I've seen your byline, but I, you're the editor in chief, so I got to imagine that there's a lot of other stuff going on in in your day to day. Absolutely, putting a staff together. We didn't have those two reporters. I had to interview. I interviewed twenty people. Interviewed twenty people, meaning on Zoom or on phone, and got lucky with Janelle because she was with she was with. Well, I guess I could say it. she was a co-star, and they had this Homes.com website, and they closed it out, so she didn't have a job. So it was amazing because she's a really smart and sharp reporter. I would I would, I don't get her normally. At the price, I don't know about the price point, but definitely not in a black newspaper. And it just well, she's black too. But it's just awesome how she was available, and we had a great couple of interviews, and we had an interview with the publisher, and it worked out fantastic. So I had to hire people. I have to plan the coverage every week. Again, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So I did that. I covered that walk, and it shaped that around the whole awareness and got with these doctors and whatnot. And I had to plan that in advance. So you have to keep on. The paper keeps coming out. So I got to plan for that, but I also have to keep the website updated. So we got to go to events. That's why I was at one event on Thursday, I mean, on Wednesday, that here I am covering, tonight I'm covering a Mary J. Blige concert because she's not going to come back to town all year long. So we had to cover it, and I'm going to cover the concert, like literally right about the concert. It's, it's always something to do. So I try to shape the coverage. I try to be a reporter as well. I also have to edit the copy for online. Again, we'll get an online editor eventually. That's another hire I got to make. But until then, chief bottle washer, cook, you name it, janitor. It's whatever we need because we gotta, we gotta keep a staff strong. I don't want this to be. I think, I think what has happened, at least in Atlanta, sometimes in the South, is the black papers. You don't really need to read that. That's crap. Don't worry about it. That's not real news. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. When I'm not doing that. This is literally a legitimate news source. You're not treating this like, oh, I picked that up on my way to the store and just I read it for five seconds and threw it away. You're going to want to see these cover stories. You're going to want to read inside. So that's my, I'm trying to push that as hard as I can. I use my social media as, as much as I can to push that. Hey, the paper's out. Oh, look at this. Because I want it to be different. I don't want you to treat it as an also man. So where do your story ideas come from? The community, man. It's, it's, it's cool because working with my wife is always awesome. Miss Ware, the, the publisher, has been around Atlanta again her whole life. So she's, in, she's really hooked up with what's going on. People reach out all the time and say, hey, there's a rally for the hospital happening this weekend. Or, hey, I know this kid. I, we're going to have a feature next week on this kid that's like 15 years old. And he's going to college. He's in college. Like, he's some kind of, obviously, that's a very smart young man. Little local stories like that, people reach out because, again, they care about the voice. because They know that, guess what? If I pitch this to the AJC, the Atlanta General Constitution, it probably doesn't get in the paper. Not because the paper doesn't care. They just have other things they have to do. They're a daily. They don't care about a smart kid in Griffin. They don't care about the breast cancer walk. Guess why? It happens every year. They're not really all that interested. Well, as, a, as an Atlanta voice uh, editor-in-chief, I have to be. I can't afford to be like, yeah, you're right. I, don't. I still went to media day. I've been going to media day for, for over a decade, but I still go. There's always a story there. You mentioned that your wife works at the paper. What does she do? She is the executive assistant to the publisher. So she's Miss Miss Ware's right hand, and she has been for about five years. Awesome. All right. A couple other things as we kind of near the end here. I, I don't normally talk about this sort of thing with 
with people, but you tweeted about it and it struck me as very mm. cool. You collect Black Panther Party newspapers. Why do you do that? And tell us about what they are. Well, the Black Panther newspaper was invented by the party to get the word out in the community and, and get it out across the country. And it was originally published in a very small batches. And then the, the further the party went, Chicago, Detroit, New York, et cetera, Philly, New Jersey, the more that they had to print more papers. Here's the thing, though. They're extremely rare and hard to find. So when I do find one, and I'm not going to tell you how much I pay, but it could be in the hundreds. Not, not, I mean, not three, four, five hundreds. But it can be in the hundreds sometimes because it's so rare. So uh, there's, a, there's a bookstore, which I will definitely get pumped to, the Atlanta Venice Books, which is in Shamley, which is a suburb of Atlanta. They're great about calling me and saying, hey, we got two new ones in. I'm, I'm going to post it on Instagram. But I want to give you a heads up. And I love them, so I end up getting them framed because I read them once because it's, 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 it's everything for me. It's the Black Panther Party, which I thought was a genius idea of uniting a community and saying, hey, we're going to keep each other safe. We don't do that anymore, but that's another podcast for another day. Secondly, it's a newspaper. I love newspapers. To know that we had our own newspaper, just, it just blows me away. I'm, a, I'm really a collector of old Black newspapers, period. It just so happens that Black Panther paper is always the one that's the rarest and hardest to find. So when I see one, it's very hard for me to not pluck down $175, $200 for a, a freaking newspaper. Granted, it's, I have one copy for 66. I have a copy for 69. Like you're not going to find it. You're just not going to find it in mint condition or at least close to it. So when I do get a hands on it, I just love them. It's I'm a newspaper junkie. It's history. It's, it I, I can completely Indeed. understand that. So just one last question here for fun before we move to the last question. Is it wise for someone who covers the entire city of Atlanta to be a vocal Mets fan? It is not. And, and at one point, as a, as a person that was covering sports business for the Atlanta Business Chronicle, one of two major newspapers in the city, it, it was almost asked of me to tone it down a little bit as far as not being a Mets fan, but bashing the Braves. That was uh, something that they asked me not to do. I, of all the sports teams in the world, there are, none of, there are no other ones I don't like. I don't root for them, but I don't dislike the Giants. I don't dislike the Dodgers. It's fine. Do whatever you want. Braves, if they never win a game again, I'd be happy. They won the World Series last year. Uh, and my eight-year-old son is a Braves fan. It's a little he, dangerous he, to say that as the editor-in-chief of a paper, no? It, it, it is. That's why I, I put my stuff out there. There's no point in you pretending you don't know what kind of fan I am. I'm not a fan <laughs> when I'm the editor-in-chief of, the, of, of Atlanta Voice. I'm a journalist. Totally separate <laughs> from my work. Totally separate. Gotcha. Donald Suggs, thank you for taking the time to join us. We will be following along. Best of luck, and thank you, and keep listening. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. I always keep listening. I appreciate it. The question of which newspaper or organization that Donnell wanted to salute ended up being one asked offline. Donnell saluted all black newspapers, quite simply because they raised me. If you would like to hear other interviews with journalists covering stories by and for black people, check out the recent ones with Tiana Tate of 1956 Magazine and Star Dunnigan of Reckon. We were pleased to recently hear that Reckon expanded its staff and its coverage of black joy. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at JournalismSalute at gmail.com.